Welcome everyone to the Milking It Podcast, the podcast that tugs the teeth of popular culture until it explodes all over your face. As always, I'm David Davis. And I'm an It's Boulamont. And here we are. It's episode 25. Can you imagine? Episode 25. It's good to be alive. Yes, Dave. And hopefully we will actually manage to finish off what we started last week on our little chat about sitcoms. But apart from that, it's business as usual. So join us now as we take a stroll through the week of geek. It's the Milking It podcast. You are going to put in simply the best by Tina Turner for my name music this week, aren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. Don't worry about it. I'll sort it out in the edit. Excellent. I've got the And now, as normal, we start the show with a troll through the week of geek. It's the Geek News! Geek News! So, Booley, what's been uh, lighting up our milkingitpodcast.com this week? All the information, what what we got first? Much to go through, Dave, and uh, this is going to be a Batman-heavy episode. We're going to get chatty about our batty. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Not for the first time on the Milky Podcast. Yes, we are no, a we... fan of the Caped Crusader. Yes, uh, indeed, sir. Um, so we better start off with the biggest news of all this week. Mm. Uh, that was simply a image, a uh, black and white image that was put up by uh, Jack Schneider, um, <laughs> friend of, of the, show. the Batmobile, and. Who was standing outside the Batmobile, David? Oh, was it the person that you've been verbally abusive towards ever since they announced he was going to be playing whoa, the role? <laughs> whoa, if you go back to the episodes when it was announced, um, I, I, I'm sure I was in the, in the camp that said, uh, wait and see, as opposed to I don't like it. I think you may have been erring towards caution with that one sir but uh if i, I if i can find a, a clip i'll put one in but i, I can't fuck. <laughs> yeah so, no but it, it, yeah exciting the first image they've revealed it this film is it's still two years away dude <laughs> two years away and he's drip feeding these little bits to us uh not that he needs to um i was slightly more excited uh than i thought i would be by this it's um yeah i mean we spoke briefly uh, a few episodes ago when Kevin Smith, hey, there's that name again, uh, mentioned on one of his podcasts that he'd seen the suit and he teased that it was sort of a 70s uh, look to it and everything else. Uh, it's, in fact, the uh, the Frank Miller uh, Dark Knight suit, uh, by all yes. accounts. Um, yes. And Kevin Smith confirmed, because the, the, the picture that, that uh, Zack Snyder uh, tweeted out was uh, a black and white image. Um, so I had everyone guessing and loads of people photoshopping colour over it and trying to uh, really sort of geek out over it. Uh, and some very, very funny memes of uh, sad Batman, which I don't know whether you've seen any of those. But The best one I've seen, David, is they've replaced uh, Ben Affleck's head with Bill Murray's and it just looks perfect. Oh, God, I'd watch that film. Um <laughs> Yes, so... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
No, so basically, yeah, um, so it's literally one picture and it has just blown up all over the place. I have seen this picture now so many times and it's so many levels of intricate detail, but the suit looks really good. There was a, a comment by Kevin Smith who is in no way linked to the movie. Obviously, he's a big, big Batman fan. But he said it's actually not the only suit that he thinks is in the film. He believes there may be a number of suits that Batman wears across the course of that particular film. A film which I now know the proper name of. Indeed, that was, that David. That was the other <coughs> this week, wasn't it? It was. Uh, it is still tentatively titled Batman vs. Superman, mm-hmm. but the tagline is Dawn of Justice. Well, it's all right, isn't it? I quite like that. Dawn makes, of Justice makes sense. Well, it makes sense because of what will what's been confirmed to follow it. Yes, the Justice League movie, which we've spoken Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Um, we, we revealed in the last episode that Cyborg had been cast. Uh, we also know the Wonder Woman, played by Gil... <laughs> Gar- Gilbert Gar- Godfrey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an Amazonian! Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's yes, I'm sure he may pop up a little later on, in fact. Uh, a little bird tells me. Or was it Yargo the parrot that he played? Um, Aladdin! Um. <laughs> Uh, yes, sorry, back, back to the magical world of Batman. Um, yes. yes, so the Batman reveal, uh, they've revealed the title, they've revealed the the Bat-Tank, because it's, I'm not going to call it a Batmobile until they've made it look like a car again. But um, the Bat-Tank and Batman have all been revealed, all looking rather nice, mm. and all uh, aiming squarely for that 2016 sweet release date. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, it's a long way off, but uh, it's it's certainly something that uh, if if he keeps doing this, which he's known to do, he's done it with other films as well that he's worked on. Um, just that sort of drip feeding of he knows how to play the geek verse. He knows how to get everyone excited about these things. Um, I'm hoping there might be some some more of it because they they have started um, actually started filming, haven't they? I think. Some mention of uh, of Gilbert Godfrey as um, as Wonder Woman was uh, pictured filming uh, some some sort of sequential shots for that. So, yep, it's uh, it's happening. We know that now, and we know Batman's in it, and we know he looks alright. Um, ben Affleck's got a decent chin, which is what I said when he was originally announced. So, you know, all you need is Ben. Affleck, the only thing Ben Affleck needs to play is Bruce Wayne. Batman is Batman. Batman is that iconic suit. So you could have anyone. Most of the time, it won't even be him. It'll be some stunt person uh, taking his place but uh, I'm very excited I think it's genuinely going to be going to be good um, sticking with 2016 release dates David uh, mm. the next bit of news is staying in the realms of superhero is uh, Universal have one last Marvel property under their banner and they're determined to get it out okay and uh, 2016 will see the release uh, so far it's rumored that 2016 will see the release of the of Namor the Submariner by Universal Studios. Okay, so I only know Submariner um, because he was uh, he was one of the cards in my Marvel Top Trumps series. Um, so the character himself, what, like a sort of Neptunian guy with a big trident, and that's that's all I can think of with Submariner. So I don't really know much about he's, him. Yeah, he's like yeah, a- Aquaman, but for Marvel, he's exactly like Aquaman, except he's not as hated um, by. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be quite interesting. I said they couldn't do a Thor movie, and I was wrong. So I'm probably going to be wrong about saying they can't do a Submariner movie and keep it interesting. It's going to need other heroes in the movie. Mm. But then again, Thor didn't either. Maybe it's going to be good. I really want to see who's working on it first. But yeah. um, it, it could. It has the potential to be to be rather good. 
you know, Submariner, as as the character, he's, he's definitely associated with people like Hulk and Iron Man. So mm. there's a lot of Avengers characters that he is associated with. So it could potentially become a crossover if it's Universal's last property and, you know, they've only got a certain amount of time to keep it. Sure. Eventually everything reverts back to Marvel, doesn't it? So, Yeah, I think it, it, if it's a bit like um, the X-Men um, and uh, Fantastic Four, um, where they've had to keep making movies, haven't they, in order to keep the franchise as part of them. There's like the Sony Pictures have had to use... Um, yeah, yeah. They, they famously rebooted Spider-Man, as we've, we've spoken about, and purely because... You know, obviously at the time it seemed weird because it wasn't much time between the last movies and, and this new reboot. But it was purely because they needed to keep that franchise going. If if they'd lapsed and let it go any longer, then they would have yeah would have reverted back to Marvel. It, and the all powerful a, Disney Corporation. All hail the Disney! Oh um, wow! You are absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's true though. Um, with hmm. the, with the Marvel films, it, you know they will all end up eventually back at Disney. It's um, talking of Marvel films. Sorry to move on from Submariner so quickly. There's no other information about it. Um, okay. Some there is a bit of information about, and it does tie back to the all-powerful Disney Corporation. Oh my! The, the teaser trailer for the Big Hero Six movie, which is released in the UK in Ooh. February 2015, so next year, has been revealed. Listen, this is what I got to say about it. I never heard of Big Hero Six before this movie was announced. Well, I, I, men- I mentioned this to you, didn't I? Um, a few weeks ago, we never spoke about it on the the podcast because I'm rubbish at remembering stuff like that, but. Um, I was listening to an interview with, oh Christ, what was his name? Uh, with, with one of the guys who's, he's like the head of Marvel, basically. Um, uh, Kevin Feige? And he was, he was basically, he was asked the question, um, now that you're part of the Disney Corporation, because Marvel is still, um, amazingly, quite a small operation in terms of the number of people who work for them. And the way they do things is, hasn't really changed. In that, that they are, they're very dedicated people who are just in love with the Marvel brand and the characters, and they all understand the universe. And the, so it's. Um, he said you'd be really you'd be surprised if you walked into their building compared to like the normal sort of Disney corporate corporation thing of having thousands of people working on all these projects. He said it's it's quite a not a cottage industry, but it's it's still quite a small thing considering how much money Marvel is generating at the moment for, for Disney. So he was saying, uh, basically, he was asked the question, well, would uh, Disney Pixar be interested in doing some work in terms of the characters, and will we see some sort of animated series or things like that? And he said there are there's a couple of TV series in the works in terms of animated stuff from Disney, which we'll see in the future, sort of 3D animation. But yeah, he also mentioned this, which was the... Um, Excuse me. This film, which, like you said, they've, they've um, put the, the teaser out for today. Characters I'd never heard of, and characters that the guy who was interviewing him had never heard of. And he said, "Well, that's the idea. You know, you you can take all these sort of small characters that people don't really know, unless you're a proper comic nerd and you're like obsessed with it, well, um, and they can develop them." And, and you know, sorry, go on. they say that. But in the last Wolverine movie, the main villain was the Silver Samurai. Now, the Silver Samurai is one of the base members of um, Big Hero Six. Yes, completely. But I don't think people know that he's part of that group. Do you know what I mean? <clears throat> um, I don't think it's like saying, other... oh, Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack. I think it's you, you, people know Silver Samurai. And I'm sure Sunfire, who's the other 
uh, kind of base me- uh, main member of the Big Hero Six. I'm sure he's been in one of the X Men movies as well. But you are right; it's massively made up of characters that I had never even heard of. It's very Japanese orientated. Big Hero Six. It's yes. kind of like almost um, parodying like, Japanese bordering on the sort of manga style. Yeah. It, there's a character in it called Fred, who they refer to as Fred Zilla, and his power is literally to turn into like a Godzilla-like creature. <laughs> That's his ability. Genius. We're talking of which, we'll be discussing that a little later on. Um, yeah, it does. It, it it does look interesting. Um, I must admit, I watched the, the teaser for it. Um, it's something I'll watch because I, I'm a big fan of the sort of animated, the 3D animated stuff from uh, from Disney. Um, it has that kind of look of um, uh, Meet the Robinsons. Did you ever see that? No, no. It was like yeah, that was like wasn't it like a space version of the Swiss Family Robinson? It was, hence the name, Meet the Robinsons. Um, I, I, I presumed as much, Dave. <laughs> well, they didn't. It wasn't that they were taking round fruit squash to drink. It was. Um, it was really good. It really was. But it has that look about it. it has that sort of style to it. The, the characterization of the faces and things look, reminded me of that like quite a lot. But uh, no, it looked very interesting. Be be interesting to see. The, the only thing that surprises me is that you did you say it comes out when over here? February twenty fifteen, apparently. Wow, because it's released in the States in November, because that's what they were talking about, was that, that this will come before anything else in terms of like big Marvel projects. This will be like the next thing that, that comes through. But that's quite a quite a gap in the release between them. That's, that's going back to what we were talking about a couple of podcasts ago, you know, when things used to come out in the States sort of six months before. I yeah, think... you are right. It does have a tentative date of November the 7th um, mm. in the USA, that's which is strange. Okay, may, maybe my information's a bit old then. I don't know, because I think they did the same, um, if I'm not mistaken. I think they did the same with Frozen. I think Frozen came out in the States. Don't mention fucking Frozen. <laughs> Only, I'm not even going to make the joke. I'm not even going to make the joke. You're, what, you're not, not going to say? Uh, let it go, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Insert clip here. Oh, we've actually just played that on the Milking It podcast. Took us 25 episodes, but we got round to it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's it's interesting bit of news. Uh, like you say, uh, the first sort of uh, uh, time I've really looked into it. I, it was it was one of the first things I did was go on to um, Wikipedia and just try and work out who Big Hero 6 was. I found it a bizarre one, but uh, interesting choice. And I think if they can do that with, like I say, with those lesser known characters and develop it, then that is a rich, rich seam to mine with something like Marvel. It'd be the same as going back into the DC catalogue as well. Have have they really done a Marvel movie for kids, like squarely aimed at kids? Because I suppose Big Hero 6 is the alternative to the big live action pieces, which are obviously... Whether we, you know, whether they want to admit it or not, that's geared for adults. That's for adult fans of comic books. Yes. Like no matter what they say, you know. Um, yeah, um, yeah, it, it's got cross appeal, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Definitely. Definitely. No, maybe maybe it's time for a couple of kiddie friendly uh, Marvel movies. Maybe a reboot of uh, Howard the Duck. <laughs> Howard. <laughs> I'll uh, Howard. I'll get onto Andy Peters' people and we'll uh, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> 
Um, yes, so talking of um, kiddie-friendly stuff from the Disney Corporation... Oh, my! Um, there was some information from the Star Wars movie, which uh, has been keeping us going across the last few weeks, because, they've, again, they've been drip-feeding some stuff. But uh, we had our first on-set video released by director... Uh, I was so happy when I saw that yesterday. So happy. Not because it, not because it is Star Wars. That would have made me happy anyway. I'll tell you what made me happy. They are using real physical effects, puppets, animatronics, real, real stuff. They're going to be CG stuff. But my issue with a lot of the prequel movies was there was too much digital. They went digital crazy. And, yeah. and you know, Yoda wasn't. Yoda wasn't performed, he was drawn in. Whereas these movies appear so far to have real physical effects. And that makes my nerd boner go straight up in the air. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I know, I know exactly what you're saying. It's um, it's a rare thing to see nowadays. And it is very, very cool to uh, to see it. Um, I suppose it, it, it kind of goes, uh, again, back to something we were talking about previously when I questioned why Kenny Baker was still being forced inside a fucking tin can. <laughs> Expect, expected to troll around. It will be the end of him. This this next set of films will be the end of him. Oh, no, we dude, love you, don't Kenny. say that. We love you, Kenny. No, 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 we don't know. I, I I find it quite interesting though, because obviously the, it's famous that him and um, Anthony Daniels don't get on, because yes. Anthony Daniels does have a reputation for being a massive asshole. I'm I'm amazed if. I know, I'm not amazed they've agreed to do it because what the fuck else are they doing? They're hardly... Jesus Christ, Dave. Money talks. How often have they worked in the last? <laughs> Ten years. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, Anthony Daniels has done some voiceover stuff, but it, it, he mainly kind of exists in comic cons and uh, sort of signings now, doesn't he? I don't think he does much else. But then it, I, you could probably he, say, I don't know, Kenny Kenny Baker exactly. could have played many things, and I wouldn't be aware because <laughs> he he's, would tend to be um, inside. You know, with with the exception of, of um, Harrison Ford, uh, Star Wars oh, is yeah. everybody that's in those movies' livelihood. Oh, I don't know. Mark Hamill. Oh, no, no, no. Of course. Yeah. My apologies. Mr. J himself. No, 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 no. no. You're right. Mark, Mark Hamill has plenty to do. No, no, they, they all have stuff to do. But I mean, mainly for those background characters that Star Wars is their livelihood. Mm-hmm. Um, while we're still talking to Star Wars, I know I told you about this the other day when it leaked. I was too excited to save with the podcast. But um, I don't know whether the Milkers would have seen that there was a there was a, a there was a memo going around the Internet. Hmm. that was supposedly leaked from a Hasbro strategy meeting on the Star Wars franchise up until 2020. Oh, that's uh, That is six years, my friends. It's above um, and beyond anything that I'll, I'll see. <laughs> yes. Um, but in, in order, uh, 2014, this year, we'll see the release of Star Wars Rebels, the TV series, which has already been teaser-trailered and trailered, yeah. and everyone's quite aware of it. It's, it's computer-generated. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to span the gap between episodes uh, three and four. Am I right? I think. That sounds right, yes. Uh, um, 2015, of course, we'll see Star Wars Episode 7. 2016, we'll see the release of Boba Fett, a standalone movie. Possibly. How does that... Mm, Okay. How does that work with what they were saying about sticking to canon? They're all clones. They're all clones. They're all clones. Okay. Okay. Just asking. I mean, I mentioned this on the... I think I mentioned this on Milking It before. But um, there was a, a rumour, another rumour, they're all rumours, um, that was That's going around a couple of months ago that the, the Boba Fett movie... Oh, was yes, gonna yeah. st- Do you remember it was going to start mm. with Boba Fett being killed, someone picking up the helmet and the, the gear, putting it on, and then being Boba Fett for the rest of the movie? 
Sounds cool. Um, 2017 sees the release of Star Wars Episode Eight. 2018 will see Solo the movie. They cannot be serious if they're thinking Harrison Ford. No, uh, it's got to be like a prequel or something. Yeah. yeah. 2019. Well, sorry, just quickly back on the Solo thing. Mm. He's okay. That's Han Solo. It doesn't necessarily mean the movie will be about Han Solo. Solo's daughter. Do you remember they were they were looking? For a oh, yes, for a girl, yeah. not too long ago, mm. to play Han Solo's daughter. Mm. So you know him. In I, I know they're not using the extended universe, but even in the extended universe, he had a daughter and a son. I think the twins. But the thing uh, is, by, by that point, they will have created more universe to be. You know, That's I mean, true. They're, they're writing the story now, aren't they? In terms of what's going to happen in the future, so they they can pretty much get away with anything. Well, 2019, we'll see the release of Star Wars Episode Nine, and 2020, and this is the one that piqued my interest the most. God forbid, God forbid I'll be dead by 2020, but yeah, <laughs> 2020 sees the release of a movie uh, tentatively titled Red 5, which is Luke Skywalker's call sign in the Rogue Squadron, which was the squadron oh, sent hell. on the first attack on the Death Star, if you remember that, way back a long time ago in a galaxy far, far, far away. away. That's, that's Lots of um, interesting, interesting Star Wars yeah. stuff coming out of that, isn't it? And I can, I can only presume that uh, someone's getting fired. <laughs> and, <laughs> take it with a pinch of salt. Whenever these things are, uh, yeah, are leaked, yeah. um, it can tend to be a long time until they're proven true. So um, hmm. I, I, reckon if 20, I reckon if by 2016 we've seen Episode 7 and Boba Fett, then I'll take this... Um, this little leaked memo as, uh, as as gospel or force gospel, depending on your religion. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, there was another little bit of news in terms of uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy while we're on the sort of Marvel. Tip. Absolutely. Now, me and Dave like to uh, to do a geeky podcast each week, and of course, we pride ourselves on being thrust forward at the forefront of all geek uh, news, yeah. and uh, we, neither of us have. Neither of us have watched it, have we, Dave? No. <laughs> Neither of us have got around to no. watching a minute and a half of uh, interesting stuff. I will I will definitely uh, check that out later. Although oh, well, there's, there's part of me that doesn't want to see too much before I go and see the film. Because the, the little bits that I saw in the first trailer got me quite excited. Because I don't know the characters. I, I was quite... I don't know. It's one of those things. It's like we do... I'm not explaining myself very well. We do a podcast where we look far too deeply into things and we discuss things for months and months before they come out. And I'm not sure I want to know any more now. I'm quite happy just to go and see the film. Um, case in point, I pretty much avoided any spoilers for a film that I saw um, yesterday. Dave, we're still in the movie section because I'm about to mention mm. said movie. So um, just quickly before we get on to what you're going to talk about, yep. um, through the success of the release... Of Godzilla, they've already greenlit Godzilla 2, and they've got the first one looks amazing and sounds amazing. And I hear on very good authority that it actually is amazing. So, Dave, now that Godzilla 2 has been greenlit, yes, um, it's fairly obvious that this is going to be a, a, a franchise that's going to stick around. So, I I understand you saw a a, 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 a film the other day that you rather enjoyed. I did, yes, <laughs> I saw Godzilla, and it was great. This concludes my review of Godzilla. Oh, no, no, no. it was. Um, <laughs> it's uh, this is why you do the uh, the film podcast every week, and mm. I don't. 
Um, that's the Tits podcast, the Totally Insane Tits. Oh, sorry, yeah, there was a perfect drop-in for an opportunity to mention the Tits podcast, starring myself and Mr. Dino Peppers, available every week on iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else shitty or decent podcasts are available. Absolutely. Um, so, yes, uh, I went to go and see it yesterday. Um, I was determined not to watch some dodgy copy. I was going to go to the cinema and watch it on a big old screen, because the reviews that I'd read... Uh, sorry, the reviews I'd heard, I'd not read anything, so I tried to avoid as many spoilers as possible for it, um, said that if you're going to see it, see it in the cinema with the biggest screen and the best sound that you can possibly get. Uh, I would definitely agree with the sound thing. The, the, there's got to be an Oscar in the in the sound effects for that. Just stunningly brilliant. Sorry to, to cut it. Yesterday I was reading an article about how the sounds were made and they refuse. Um, back in 1982 when E.T. was made, they refused to divulge how the noise of E.T. was made until a few years later hmm. because it was actually a woman who smoked and had a chronic throat disorder and they didn't want people associating E.T. with old with like an old woman who's smoking. Hmm. So they didn't reveal it until a couple of years later. Now, this new team that have developed the noise of Godzilla, they're not giving away anything. They're not telling people how it's made. A little interesting factoid of the week for you, David, is that the original sound... The original sound for Godzilla in the original movies mm-hmm. was made by rubbing um, pine oil. Uh, rubber, they were leather gloves covered yeah. in pine oil, rubbing up and down um, a bass string. I know, I, know. <laughs> I did know this. Correct. Yes, I was. Uh... There we go. That was my factoid for the uh, for the milksters. It's not always for you, Dave. It's not okay. for you. Oh, yeah, yeah the thought... sound apparently is fantastic. People said you could feel the floor shake. Absolutely, could. it was incredible. Especially there's um. There's a sequence towards the end, um, which I don't, I don't want to give any spoilers away for it because I know you're, yep. you're going to go and see it. But there's a sequence towards the end where you get a proper fucking good old-fashioned Godzilla monster fight. And uh, yeah, I genuinely was concerned about my hearing at one point because <laughs> it was just incredible. Um, I've heard a rumour that Guillermo del Toro desperately wants to do a Pacific Rim Godzilla crossover now he's seen it. I'm not surprised. Um, because it, it's it's up there with uh, Pacific Rim. I wasn't a huge fan of, but um, yeah, it's it's really really well done, dude. Um, I'm I'm not in any way uh, a big Godzilla fan. I've, I, in fact, as sacrilegious as this probably sounds, the only thing I remember about Godzilla. Oh, Dave, don't is, say the only one you've seen is the '95 one with Matthew Broderick. The, the, the only film version I've seen is Matthew Broderick <laughs> and Hank Azaria. No! The, uh, and the only other thing I remember is the Godzilla and Godzuki cartoon that I used to watch when I was little. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of my Godzilla knowledge. I, I kind well, of understand Dave, it. But as well. a, sorry, I was going to say, as a general nerd, I've seen a lot of the Japanese um, of course you have, sir. Godzilla movies. Of course I have. I'm a massive fucking geek. Um, the one I most enjoyed was Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. Um, which I which I used to love. It uh, involves time travel. They go back in time to stop the uh, accident that caused Godzilla, and instead, um, some aliens uh, create a different monster, of which course. is King Ghidorah. Of course, they do. Of course, they do. That's what happens. Yep. Um, re- really, uh, Godzilla movies are cool, man. I love my Godzilla movies, and I know that they 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 were being made in Japan up until like the mid mid two thousands. Yeah. So um, there was one called Last Battle. I really want to track tra- down, but but yeah, it's cool. Godzilla's cool. And another criticism that was that was mentioned was I've read people, which is it's one of those ridiculous things that gets in the papers. People complaining that he and you'll probably uh, know about this, Boo. Uh, complaining that Godzilla in this movie version was a little bit chunky. How dare you, sir? Um, no, no. Y- yes, they were actually people saying, "Isn't he a bit fat?" Um, 
God's Hill's weight is neither here nor there. And next day they're going to be telling me the Cloverfield monster was a little bit skinny and should really, you know, put some meat on those bones. Fuck off. There was, <laughs> no, I, I thought the, the, the design of Godzilla was, was absolutely perfect. Um, he's very bear-like. He's very... It, it, it sounds really stupid to say, but he's got a really sympathetic face. Um, and it, it's very expressive. And the way they've done him is kind of... Because the only Godzilla, like I say, I've seen is that awful lizardy one from '92 or whenever it was. Five, '95. Um, <clears throat> okay, there we go. I, I was busy in '95. In fact, yeah, I saw that at the cinema. Oh god. Um, so yeah, so I, I love the design of it. I I can't see the criticism for that. I thought it was really good. I think the other creatures, which I'm not going to spoil, that are involved in it are also very cool. Creatures. Um, mm-hmm. Well, how could you breed if you don't have? A male and a female, sir. Um, Stop now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but luckily, we have Godzilla, uh, and he's, he's going to help us out. And there's there's some really funny bits in it. There's some really great acting in it. Um, there's been some criticism uh, as well that I was reading um, about the fact that Godzilla doesn't fully appear until about 45 minutes into it. It's a fucking monster movie, you idiot. Oh, that's one of the. <laughs> That's one of the cardinal rules. How long till we saw the alien in Precisely. Alien? Which? How long before we really saw the Predator in Predator? Mm. Like, these people need to fuck off. This is the problem with this day and age, is people want to see everything in full view on the screen. No, you need build-up. You need build-up, you need tension, you need suspense, and then finally, when you see that movie, when you see the monster, that's the payoff. If we saw the monster five minutes into the movie, what is the payoff of the movie? The producers of uh, the upcoming Blade Runner 2 have asked publicly if Hans, uh, if Han Solo, there we go again, it's another booty error right here on the Mega Podcast, have asked if Harrison Ford would like to reprise his role as Deckard in Blade Runner 2. I saw this and... Hasn't this been going on for years now that we want Harrison Ford in Blade Runner 2? But I swear, 10 years ago, I was reading the same news on like, ain'titcoolnews.com. I just I don't <laughs> the site that Booty finds this amusing because I always look on that before we start the podcast to make sure there's oh, nothing. That, just like, I used no to breaking news. Like, <laughs> like 15 years ago, I used to read ain'titcoolnews.com. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing the X Men costumes for the very first time on that, and then I used to go straight there for my geek news. There are a couple of other places I frequent now, people that have actually promoted this show as well. So um, thanks, geeks of doom. Oh, talking about spoilers, uh, there's a little flash just come up on my computer uh, while we're recording that is explaining the X-Men Days of Futures Past post-credit scene. Don't say shit. I'm there tomorrow. Yeah, so. I think we'll leave that till next week. But, if um, you don't mind. No, no, completely. That's. And, however, oh, it is oh, public oh. knowledge that the next film in the series is Apocalypse, so, so it is the... public knowledge that holy balls sorry steering clear of Blade Runner because that is all the information I've got on that and coming straight back into Marvel Um, Mm. did you hear that Channing Tatum has been confirmed yes um, to play Gambit yes I have Uh, we've discussed Gambit before that better not be the post credit I'll be pissed Uh, no I think um, I'm not going to go into it because I've just read what it is um so yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Channing Tatum. Yes, what a beautiful looking man he is. 
And he's also going to be playing one of my favourite Marvel characters. Not a Marvel guy, but I am a fan of the Gambit. Um, very excited to see what they do with this. Uh, I, I think he's a, he's a good choice. He looks like Gambit, for God's sake. He looks pretty perfect. And Just need to get the accent right. Yeah, well, he's quite, he's a decent actor, to be fair, Channing Tatum. So um, I think we can... Is, is he? Because I've only seen him yes. in a movie where he was fighting and it was shit. That You're was thinking weird. of uh, fighting, wasn't it, with Channing Tatum? I it's think a, so. like a white cover to it where he's knuckled oh, up no. and he's... Got... Never back down? No, anyway, I can't remember. I can't remember. Fuck it. Listen, <laughs> Channing Tatum is playing Remy, uh, a.k.a. Gambit, yep. possibly in the next movie, Apocalypse... It's exciting. It is exciting. It is as well. And lest we forget that uh, he also did the voice for Superman in the Lego movie. So that makes him pretty cool as far as I'm concerned. And last bit of news, and it is uh, my last bit of movie news today. Um, And it's not... I know neither of us are massive Star Trek fans, but with J.J. Abrams away playing uh, in The Land of the Jedi, it's been announced that Robert Orkey... Uh, who wrote with someone else the other two Star Trek reboots um, is going to be taking the helm as director for Star Trek 3. I didn't like the second one. I thought the first one was fantastic. The first reboot was really good. The second reboot was really formulaic. Mm. That's the right word, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um, Yeah, I mean, the only good thing about that, as far as I'm concerned, because we're not massive Star Trek uh, fans. Uh, They are, though... Think did I read during the the week that they're finally um, releasing the next generation on Blu-ray? It's all been sort of souped up and made sexy and looks really good. I remember watching the next generation stuff quite a bit when I was younger, uh, just because it was on every night on Sky when you had Sky. It was I. <laughs> whereas I am a DS9 man. I always liked DS9. I, I don't know why. That was out of all of the series, DS9 was my favourite. I know that Star Trek Next Generation was the most popular one. I mean, it mm. brought Star Trek back to the masses. you got to remember, there was like a 20, 30-year gap between... No, not that long. There was a 20-year gap between the end of the original series and the beginning of Next Gen. Yeah, it was quite. Yeah, there was quite a gap, to be fair, those. And then, you know, the and obviously, I... back to Patrick Stewart being a world-class actor, I will always yeah. say that Picard is the superior officer. Indeed, I would yes, definitely. I would uh, I would choose Patrick Stewart over. Uh, um, <laughs> make it so. Uh, yeah, interesting enough. And that oh, do you know what ties it? Uh, this is a little bit of a side note. Um, we were talking uh, when we talked about sitcoms last uh, last episode, and I said about um, A. Edmondson and Rick Mail doing Waiting for Godot uh, on the West End stage. And, which, I, uh, which I was blown away by the knowledge of. I'd never heard that before. Well, I, I, I managed to get hold of a copy of uh, Patrick Stewart and... Um, oh, mind, help me. Come on, Dave, is that fine? Uh, British actor? Yes. I managed, um, to, get, uh, okay. I managed to get hold of uh, a copy of Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen doing Waiting for Godot. And can genuinely say it's one of the greatest things I've ever watched in my entire life. I I just sat there, mate. I love the play anyway, but to see those two doing it was just amazing. And everything that they've done as part of the sort of X-Men junkets that I've listened to in terms of interviews and stuff has just been wonderful. It's just, Those two together are just the, the greatest combination. Bringing, I feel like they are truly bringing the world to rights. Like, the, the, with the pair of them. Definitely. And are... 
a hundred percent what I would like to be if if indeed I reach their age. You um, know that's what you're gonna we we're gonna be, you know, doing all these projects together, Dave, and we're gonna be larking about. It's gonna be old age is gonna be beautiful for us. Fair enough. Well, I'll, I'll hold you to that. I'll, I'll remind you of this podcast in a few years' time. Um, I forget, sorry, I took us on a tangent there. I completely forgot uh, what we were talking about. But, um, yeah, so, so quite a bit of, uh, of movie news this week. Um, You're not really going to end it with, I forgot what I was talking about there. Dave, we were talking about Star Trek. You mentioned the next gen re- <laughs> uh, was getting re-released on Blu-ray. Yes. And then you went on to that wonderful story of Voting for Godot, starring Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. And then I said, well, wouldn't it be lovely if we were a pair of old um, actors. <laughs> that is this week's movie news, for God's sake. And now, Jay looks at Mercenary Kings in this week's Sticky Thumb Fun Emporium. The TV adverts for army recruitment make it look pretty cool. A well-known example is the one about the checkout operative who suddenly found a new vigour for life upon joining the armed forces. He talks of the high adventure in foreign climes and feeling respected. It all sounds very fun. Obviously he doesn't mention the killing aspect of it, nor seeing your buddy to the left of you turned into a red lumpy mist by a mortar, nor gluing your own guts back into your bullet flayed midriff. But then I suppose Carlsberg doesn't feature a load of men with bloated stomachs in their advertisements. No, I think the former checker operative should have shunned the world of physical fitness, respect and pan-continent gallivanting and sat on his ever-expanding glutes playing games like Mercenary Kings, available now for Windows, Apple Mac and the PlayStation consoles. Developed by independent Canadian software house Tribute Games, Mercenary Kings is a march down the memory lane of the classic 2D run-and-gun, evoking fond memories of Contra, Midnight Resistance and Metal Slug. If you were a baby or a jet load of daddy seed in the late 80s or early 90s, these games were the video game equivalent of a Stallone or Schwarzenegger movie. Ten a penny, one man army, brute stinking man games. Most of them even stole the likeness of either man or both for their cover artwork. Tribute games are made up of former coders responsible for the great scrolling beat-em-up adaption of Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. And just as much referential retro love that was imparted on that title is present here. Artist Paul Robertson is recalled from the Scott Pilgrim game and his similarly styled work on Mercenary Kings gels just as well in the run and gun genre. Mercenary Kings isn't a straight linear path from one side of a level to another like those previously mentioned classic titles such as Contra or Metal Slug. You're given a single level in which you have to visit 15 or so times in order to complete various missions such as assassinating a set amount of snipers or rescuing POWs. Along the way, defeated opponents and treasure can be found which can then be repurposed to create better weaponry and armour in a fashion similar to mega-selling Japanese RPG Monster Hunter. The depth for weapon creation is surprisingly vast and tricky to master, and the ill-prepared merc can often be left in a tough battlefield with a weapon that's about as useful as wafting around a village fate raffle ticket. Should you find the going tough, Mercenary Kings enables you to request up to three other players to assist you co-op online, which is extremely handy during certain boss battles. The game structure of repeating levels is fun for the first five go-rounds in each stage, as there are plenty of routes to uncover. But after that, 
it starts to grate. By the 12th mission, it's as dull and dispiriting as the Monday morning work commute. Plus, levels never have the pyrotechnic set pieces that lent things like the first level of Super Probotector, a wow factor. I can't help but feel that if Tribute had incorporated a few more stages instead of the emphasis on encouraging weapon part foraging, Mercenary Kings could have been as special a hark back as Scott Pilgrim vs. The World was. Two and a half cheap paper poppies from me, and a trudge back to the landmine-free checkout. Ah, safe, dull, inadventurous bliss. So now I've uh, cleared the room from my brain fart there, uh, we will uh, get, <laughs> move, move on to a little bit of TV news this week. Only a couple of bits to mention uh, before we crack on with our uh, sitcom conversation. Um, the first was they have finally put up a trailer for the Flash TV series, which is uh, being greenlit by Fox. They've uh, announced there will be a full season made, so the pilot has been successful. Um with the big concern that we spoke about a couple of episodes ago was Boo was worried that the <laughs> the way that they showed the running was the most important thing, which I agree is very important in terms of Flash. It's very easy to do in the comic books, not as easy to do in terms of that. Boo, did you get a chance to check out the Flash TV trailer? I did, sir. And you know what? Not bad. It was uh, The trailer I saw was um, the character of the Green Arrow mm-hmm. uh, shooting various arrows into a tree and flash was catching them as you do yes as you do and yeah um not bad uh but this is uh, this is my problem dave they're talking justice league movie flash is a very important part of justice league yeah so i was gonna say exactly thing dude um sorry just back because people were interested in my opinion on this yes the running effects were rather good they were very, very far flung from the 90s TV series, which is what we were worried about. And um, they've done it very well. It's very modern and it looks the part. So you can't say more than that. Um, <coughs> the only thing I'd say is um, that I, I watched the same trailer, obviously, and you didn't get a lot out of it, really. It told you a little bit of what it was going to be. Um, I just thought the character, cause the, the flash I'm used to is from the animated um, world that they've been doing. Because I've never really read flash comics and that kind of stuff. He just seemed to be a bit of a dick. He came across as a bit of a, a sarky teenager as opposed to an actual character I'd want to spend some time getting to know and learning about. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, like, I, and again, going back to the the, uh, the Green Arrow, uh, I did have a conversation with uh, with Judas, in fact, on. Um, Andrew Judas Carter, former former guest of the Milking It podcast, and a mini milk wall in itself, still available to download on iTunes. And Stitcher. Uh, yeah. And Stitcher. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, basically, I had a conversation briefly with him on, on Facebook on uh, via the milkingitpodcast.com. Um, and he was saying that I was a bit unfair with what I said about the the, the Green Arrow based on one episode. And I think he's, he's right. I mean, I, I watched that one episode. Wasn't uh, wasn't impressed with it at all. It really put me off. Uh, I noticed that the first season is now completely on, uh, on Netflix. So I, I might not saying I will but I might sit down and try and watch a few more episodes and get to know but it's just there's something intrinsically cheap about looking about those when you compare it to things like the HBO series it's, it's, and... it's very Buffy 
Um, it's yeah, it's extremely. No, I mean, which is and, and guys, I'm a big I'm a big Whedon fan, like the rest of you. There's nothing wrong with that, but mm. you got to remember, Buffy was made. Oh shit! Is it really been that long? Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be painful. To... <clears throat> you ready for this? Buffy was made nearly twenty years ago, so it's still got a similar look to Buffy to how Buffy looked twenty years ago, just in t- um, like the way it looks. So for me, I just I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it. But then you got to remember that I wasn't that high on Smallville either. Even though I'm a massive DC fan, mm. um, Smallville. I've, I did see a couple of episodes. I think the best thing about Smallville was the guy that played Lex Luthor. What a really good actor, great look, and he looks like Lex Luthor. If anything, I would rather have him playing Lex in the next Batman film than um, Jesse Eisenberg. But I digress. Yet yeah, for me, it just it just didn't grab me, which is why I stopped watching it after like a couple of episodes. Yeah, fair enough. Right, I'll give it a go. I'd, I'd, I'd be more interested in watching Flash than I would be uh, in terms of watching uh, Green Arrow, but uh, we shall see what they do. And like you say, the, the only concern with that is that they are two huge characters in terms of the Justice League. Um, so well, might cause some issues, might not cause some issues. It depends. I suppose if they get actors that are very different, um, then that might help. I, I, I see the point. Just get the actors from the TV series, bring them into the movie. I mean, if they're already establishing the character, mm. as long as you can bring it into the same universe, like, as long as you can establish that they're all in the same universe, then I don't see a problem with it. No, I'd, no I disagree, dude. I, I, no, I wouldn't do that. I'd, I'd, I'd cast yeah. some very different people to do it. Oh, there we go. We've had a, a milking it fallout. Oh, no, no. It's, uh, no <laughs> I, you're, you're more than welcome to your opinion, Dave, but yeah, you've got to remember that this <laughs> but is... you're uh, wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. You're not no, necessarily... Dude, but my, my take on it mm. is that this Justice League movie, this dawn of justice, this means that everyone's young. This is the beginning of the Justice League. And um, the Arrow and Flash in the TV series appear to be fairly young in age, which is why I think it would work. But you are right. You are right, sir. It does make sense to have different actors, especially... Since you've got um, an established actor like Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. you're going to have Henry Ca- Ca- Cavill, Cavill? Yeah. Yeah. Um, as Superman. So you've got established Hollywood guys. And I just think maybe the rub from these Hollywood guys would give these TV actors a bit of a boost. But you're well right. You, you are well within your rights to have that opinion. It's not a wrong opinion at all. So let's not argue. Let's, let's hug and make up. Okay, well, well, we'll do that in a second. Uh, I don't, well, what do you think, Milsters? Uh, let us know on the milkingitfacebook.com uh, or via our email, which is themilkingitpodcast at gmail.com, and we can uh, spread your thoughts in the next episode, when I'm sure we'll have more to discuss in terms of uh, DC TV. Uh, or if you want to instantly have a go at us, don't forget that we're also on Twitter, at TeetTugger. We don't have many followers, but maybe you can change you know boost the trend to be a milkster on twitter definitely uh the other bit of tv news that i've got uh, written down was um the simpsons family guy crossover um yet again i've got the word why question mark written by the side David. <laughs> this could be our second fallout of the night but <laughs> i'm really really not excited or convinced by this at all but um yeah so simpsons family guy Tell us about it, Boo. What do you know? Well, Dave, um, the characters from Family Guy end up in Springfield and will end up meeting their comedy counterparts. Homer and Peter will have a big scrap. Lois and Marge will be hanging out. Uh, Bart and Stewie will be doing the rounds as well. It, I mean, 
the problem with this, Dave, is you've either got to bring up the adult content of the humour yeah. for The Simpsons, or you've got to lower the adult content of Family Guy. So either way, we're going to lose out. You're not excited about it, that's fair. I'm interested to see what they do with it, but I am not as excited about this episode as I am about the Simpsons Futurama crossover. That is going to be fucking brilliant. Excuse the... No, fucking brilliant. Uh, that's due next year, uh, March, tentatively, which I've said a lot today for some reason. Um, but yes, the, the Simpsons Family Go crossover, um, I, will, I will wait and hold judgment on that. That will be available um, to everybody uh, in September. So I'm really looking forward to that, just to see what they do with it. Um, but as I said, I'm far more game for the Simpsons Futurama crossover because I already having withdrawal symptoms from Futurama. Fair enough. No, like I said, I'm I'm not a big fan of the sort of gimmicky stuff. That said, I did watch the Lego Simpsons. Um, you didn't mention it last week either, did we? No, I, I, I meant to. I completely forgot. I got it written down, but never never mentioned it. But it was a really good episode. It was, it was really cracking. I've not watched any of this new season. Um, this is the first one I got around to, to check it out. And uh, by any means necessary, Milksters, see if you can get hold of that online or otherwise and uh, and give it a look because it's it's really, really well done. Really, really well done. Some nice little gags in that one. Uh, but Simpsons Family Guy, nah, yeah, nah. Uh, I don't think it'll top it'll top the uh, the South Park Simpsons Family Guy episode that they did, um, the uh, Cartoon Wars one, the the two parter, which was a genuinely great crossover, if very unofficial. <laughs> oh, just just while talking to South Park, you can add this, or it's up to you. But I, I was very excited to hear that Bill Hader is returning as a full time writer um, uh, for the new series of South Park. If people, uh, if you don't know, Bill Hader is like my hetero comedy man crush. I love everything this man does. Yes. Um, and yes, uh, I often am posting stuff that, that he does. Um, he is just a marvellous, marvellous comedian. A very, very uh, funny guy. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, uh, it's been announced that he's got a, a, his own TV show coming out soon, which is really exciting. But more exciting for me is the fact that after spending his first full season on South Park last year, he's returning. And for me, that just is brilliant because um, it, it means I'm going to continue to enjoy South Park uh, well into the next few years. Okay. Yes, I know who he is. <laughs> Uh, the only other Wait, thing... I love him for some reason, David. I don't know what it is. He's a very he, funny I... man. He's, he's a very, very funny man. It's, it's it's like I started watching a lot of Saturday Night Live stuff, and mm. um, he was in most sketches, and just everything he does, from like a game show host to the to the uh, to the gay man Stefan, just every character he does is different and funny, and you can tell he's having a while of a time. And that's how I feel about me and my comedy partner, David Davis. We have a laugh while we're doing it, and more so than trying to be funny. It just I find it amusing whatever we do so I hope you guys do too obviously <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, any more TV news while we're looking at TV geeky news well, a couple of minor things with not much information to go on there uh, you may remember last week Milks as I mentioned that there is a Friday the 13th TV series coming out soon we had a bit more information about that trickle through um, it's going to be set in different time periods of Jason's life you're going to see de- various um, characters returning um, including Jason's mother. And uh, coming off that news, there was news that another horror franchise is getting a TV series, and that is the the Omen TV series, Dave. Uh, you may remember the original starred Gregory Peck. Ah, yes, I, I remember it well. 
<laughs> I, 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 do you know what? It's one of the few horror movies I've, I have actually watched. So yeah. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> so I. <laughs> oh, oh so yes, there's going to be an Omen TV series. The last few years. I don't think any two people have sounded more excited about that ever. <laughs> Oh, and the last bit of TV news I have, and it does count, is uh, okay. it's a web TV series um, oh, right. uh, that's been in the making for years, um, but <laughs> there's been more information on Street Fighter Assassin's Fist, which is a live-action show based on the characters <laughs> of the series Street Fighter, very much in a similar vein to the Mortal Kombat reboot they did a couple of years ago. Mm. It's going to focus on Ryu and Ken, it looks really cool. The fight scene that I saw looked awesome um, and very, very true to the game. So um, I'll put the trailer up on the Milking It Facebook fan page, which you can find at milkingitpodcast.com. Hello, Milksters. Your old pal and friend of the show, Moss Man here, off of 80s classic cartoon, Masters of the Universe. As you can imagine, I've had a lot of time on my hands since that cartoon finished and I've been aching to hear some quality, geeky podcast that rounds up all the news in a nice, tight package. Only thing is, we don't have iPhones. Oh, not after old King Randor fell out with Steve Jobs back in 92. Well, imagine my delight that now the Milk and Get podcast is available on Stitcher for Android users like myself. Stitcher.com has all the information. Oh, I can't wait to tell Fisto. He'll be well made up. In a world gone mad, in a world where nothing makes sense, two loose cannons on the edge, willing to do anything to get the job done. Eno Peppers and Goldmark. A totally insane tape show. Get your tits out! So we said it was going to be a little bit Batman heavy this week and there has been another little bit of Batman news which was the uh, first trailer containing gameplay footage of Batman Arkham Knight, the brand new game which comes to PC, Xbox One and PlayStation 4 later in the year. Boo, did you get a chance to check out the trailer? Were you as disappointed as I was? Um, you, mm, mm. you can't mm. promote mm. something as a gameplay trailer no. and show... <laughs> What, 10 seconds of the two-minute trailer was gameplay? Everything, yeah. I mean, it was it was done in the graphic engine. That I don't deny. But the, uh, as yes. far as I could see, the only playable play, uh, gameplay was uh, the bit in the... Did you see that? Well, of course you saw it. There's a part where you're driving in the Batmobile in a tunnel, and yes. you go so fast you drive upside down. Of course, very Men in Black, I thought. At that, point, yeah, was, uh... yeah, that was exactly what I thought as well. The first thing that came into my head was Men in Black. So yeah, um, I mean, there was a couple of bits where there was obviously a bit of the fighty mechanic again, which looked like it was the same animations that they'd used in the previous ones. Um, it, it's for, just going to be a sexy-looking Arkham City, isn't it? Of course, it, and that's fine, dude. I'll, I will play that game. I will enjoy that game. I will love it. And Kevin Conroy said that it's one of the best Batman stories he's Boys ever, ever been, involved been involved in. So that's, that's reason enough for me to think that it's going to be a decent game, mate. Oh no, it's it's going to be decent and it's going to be Batman. So like, there is still loads going. On. And um, also at the end, it was revealed 
something that I think has already been announced, but Harlequin is a bonus playable character uh, for pre-orders and DLC. Yes, uh, yeah, she's basically uh, filling the the Robin uh, guys or Deathstroke was it the last one, wasn't it? Where you could um... it was Deathstroke in the last one, Catwoman in the one before that, and Robin. Um, and obviously, in the first one, it was a PS3 exclusive, but in Arkham Asylum, you could play as the Joker in the challenge maps. So this is something that they've done for pretty much each game. Yeah, totally. And uh, you know, the, the only the only thing I'd say with, with that is that um, it's. Hmm. It's it's a good way of doing it, but you never really use those maps after the first time of trying them. Or I certainly didn't. Use Dave, I I I hmm, challenge maps. Hmm. Some of them just got tedious. Some uh, of them, all of them got tedious. <laughs> a lot, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, the the, the Catwoman stuff was pretty cool, um, where she had her own missions. Yeah. Um, very similar to the Robin DLC. So if they do that with Harley, that would be cool. But yeah, after that, what can you do with this character you've leveled up? Challenge maps. Yeah, I, I need more. I need more out of my game than that. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm very excited for the game still. I think it's going to be absolutely wonderful. Um, and uh, I, I, the the annoying thing is, I know because I've done it with all the other ones that I'm going to end up buying some ridiculous special edition again just to get a little statue or. Uh, well, it's funny you say angle. that. It's funny you say that because I saw yesterday um, that they that a toy company have already released the first pictures of the Batmobile action figure from um, from the game, and you can actually put the Arkham figures in it. Very, very, uh, hmm. very He Man and Battle Cat. But um, <laughs> yes, it was. Um, there is definitely, definitely going to be some uber special edition, and no doubt it's going to have the the main protagonist who is the Arkham Knight. Oh, yes, Gotham yeah. Knight. no Gotham Knight, isn't it? No, Arkham Knight is Arkham Knight. It is Arkham Knight. Yeah, yeah. Um, the character name, not the game. This new bat, this new villain. Yeah, the whole th- the whole game is called Arkham Knight. Arkham Knight. Yeah, yeah, and Arkham Knight is the character that they've worked with Paul Dini to create a brand new yes, character, a brand new character for it. Which um, there are hints that I've been reading online that it may actually be a brand new character but it may well be revealed that it's someone oh, very well known. Oh, he looks like the, he looks finger-wise that's going to sound weird because you know <laughs> it's the thing no, no, no finger-wise hmm. he looks like Scarecrow. Well, this remains to be seen Scarecrow yes, totally. is the uh, is the sort of main person behind that trailer and he is the guy who's got everyone back together because obviously there is no longer the joker no longer exists in that world um he um, what is this set after arkham city or is it set after origins it's set after arkham city origins was as the name suggested an origins story Yes. Which was set before. I so get this, this was a prequel, David. <laughs> this comes the chronology of this is that it's after Arkham City, you lunatic. All right. <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly on. <laughs> uh, yes. So um, my my gold subscription is going to get me more on my Xbox One. Apparently, we were lamenting or lamenting <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> the state of the Xbox One and the fact that there are no fucking games to play on it at the moment um, until Watch Dogs which comes out next week uh, stay tuned we will have a review um, getting some decent uh, and and, decent and to be fair Dave Wolfenstein came out today um, and uh, no it's been getting decent reviews I'm not, you're not a first person shooter person are you at all I am not a first person shooter person no 
No, but that's fine because um, I am, and I'm looking for it, and I'm glad that there's finally a decent. Not that there wasn't, in fact, um, they've had a couple of decent ones so far on the Xbox One, namely last year's Call of Duty, which was actually fairly good compared to previous years. Um, they had Battlefield as well, mm. but the one. Uh, but yes, sorry, I digress. Games for Gold has finally come to Xbox One, and from June you will be able to download Halo Spartan Assault yes. and Max and the Order of the Brotherhood. Mm. Um, for free. One of those games I already own. Excellent. Great. Well yeah. <laughs> I paid uh, for it. However, it does come with a caveat, doesn't it, with, on Xbox One this time around? Uh, it also means that um, you're going to be act- able to activate your Skype, uh, Netflix, yep. and various other apps uh, without the paywall, as they so called it after all this time. Um, it does. It also, the... sorry, um, it also is the, the, the way they've done it now with the Xbox One is that you have to maintain your subscription to keep the games. So they've gone the way... I love, I love PlayStation PlayStation Plus. Network, yeah. So It's one no of those things... No, no, I've if it means that. that you get some decent games, because that was always the issue, was that, um, that Microsoft yes. complained that yeah they, they'd be paying through the nose to, to give you really good games, as opposed to some sort of three-year-old game that you're maybe not that interested in, but you get to keep it forever sort of thing. So That's not a problem. I mean, I'm... I, I generally like to have a gold account anyway, but then it was because of the kind of the Netflix and the Skype and that kind of thing. In fact, I could probably say the only reason I have a gold account on this Xbox One is because we, Dave and I use the, the, the Skype a lot and you have to have a gold account at the moment for that. Mm. But now that there are free games, it's given me definitely, definitely given me an incentive. Um, I'll be downloading Halo Spartan Assault as soon as it, uh, you know, is available. Yeah, of course. Uh, Sunset Overdrive uh, from Insomniac Games uh, got a big reveal uh, in the last week, mm. it's a uh, from the look of it, it's a third-person parkour um, run and gun game. It looks really, uh, it looks really cool. Wow! Uh, I for one am looking forward to it. If you remember the, um, it looks like a mix of Infamous uh, on PlayStation with the mechanic where you can run around and jump on wires and you can traverse, you know, grind the wires across. Sort of um, Mirror's Edge style. It look, yeah, it looks kind of like a mix between Mirror's Edge, Bioshock Infinity, and uh, Infamous. So, I mean, it's got lots of different games going for it. And it looks really cool, and I'm, I, for one, am looking forward to it. Um, the other uh, game release, uh, sorry, announcement from Microsoft this week uh, was a game that if you didn't think it was coming, you know nothing about video games. That is Halo 5 uh, Guardians. That's been announced on the Xbox One, obviously. I've, I've never played a Halo game. I, can I put my hand up and say that now? You, you can say it. I've played all the Halo games. and, I, and uh, No, I haven't played all the Halo games because I'm not a fan of Halo. I I played Halo 2. Mm. Meh. I played Halo 3. It was all right. Yeah. Halo Reach, yeah. I or Halo Reach Round, as it was lovely called in this house. <laughs> um, oh, I, you, it's like living with Oscar Wilde, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Halo 5 has been announced, um, and also a rumour of uh, something called the Master Chief Collection, which right. would be Halos 1 through 4 on one disc, available for your Xbox One. Oh, God. I, I, another rehash of previously released titles. Reboot shoot! <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we need to. Yeah, there weren't any reboots mentioned this week, to be fair. But uh, that's probably the first one we have. So I can hit you with a. I can. I can lay another sequel on you, Dave. Oh, lay it all over my face, neck, and chest, sir. What, what have you got? <laughs> so this week, Dave, a very excited group of friends of mine had sent me the cover art for the sequel. A sequel we're all looking forward to in my little in my little world, and that is Far Cry Four. Thoroughly okay. enjoyed Far Cry Three. 
The DLC, Blood Dragon, which was basically like an 80s action film with full synth and neon special effects, was absolutely brilliant. So Far Cry 3 as a whole was a really good experience. Yeah. So Far Cry 4, I'm expecting big things from. Sweet. I, I will check that out. I, I, again, I haven't played that franchise particularly. It, it never really appealed. But uh, yeah, it, it does seem there's a, there's a lot of buzz for Far Cry 4. Um, I know there's been some controversy over the cover art and uh, things like that. But uh, that's probably something we'll discuss a little bit further uh, when more things have been announced for that. It's, it's getting to that season, though, where, where gaming becomes cool again because obviously we're heading towards, hurtling towards E3. Um, oh god, yes, E three's coming up in the next few weeks, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've done. Uh, I uh, one of my friends is doing. Uh, has got like a Facebook group where he's pretty much posting up every day all the the bits and pieces ready for that. And there's 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 some good stuff that's going to be be shown there. Um, some interesting things in terms of um, we we spoke um, on the Facebook page uh, via NorkingPodcast dot com uh, that. The WWE 2K15 might have been delayed. There was some concern that they were going to delay it, but uh, they've announced that it's lo and behold going to follow the. I believe I believe you said I would sell my children. I would bet my children if I had them. I uh, I, I believe I believe I quoted Bobby Heenan in saying I would put, I would put the kids the house the kids and the mortgage on the fact that it will be released exactly the fucking same as it is every year because it's a tried and tested way they're not going to release it outside of the key christmas window because they have that strategy in place for it already um the the exciting thing for me was the fact that the team who were who worked on last year's um nba uh 2k14 uh, are working alongside dukes to develop it for the next gen and if anyone saw the graphics for that NBA game, if if they can replicate that for the WWE game, it will look might not might still play like shit, but it will look fucking amazing. We've come a long way, Dave, from hearing um, from Pixelator Graphics and Michael Cole. My particular favourite of the of the old commentaries was uh, he hit him with a. Uh, the last ride. <laughs> <laughs> the best was the commentary for I think it was um, it wasn't Warzone. It was the one after that. Was it Attitude? Attitude. Uh, Attitude. <laughs> Shane McMahon and I know I've got this as a clip, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what it is, but then I'm gonna play it. Is um, <laughs> is Shane McMahon? Whenever you you hit them with a like a because you had a signature move and a and a finisher. Uh, and you'd hit them with your signature, and Shane McMahon would go, Booyah! Out like a light! Booyah! Out like a light! Feel the fury of Kanu! <laughs> <laughs> it was. The, do you remember Warzone when Ahmed Johnson used to say, and you could never hear a fucking word that he was saying? <laughs> <laughs> hey! If you want to play like that, there ain't nothing we do enough but air our duty, boy! So go ahead, bring your toy and get ready. You got to tell you nothing on this error that's going to save you from this day! And you're gonna put him in his trouble. Get off, I'll be there. What? <laughs> what? what? I'm gonna be there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, WWE Warzone. Acclaim Entertainment. How come you're not in business anymore? <laughs> it can't have just been the ECW games. Um, oh, God. Sorry, I don't. Two that, of the worst that, games. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes. Back on track, Dave. Last, uh, two last bits of news I have got for you is the PS Now system has gone into beta and people are using it. Oh, hello. 
how, is yeah. there any feedback as to how it's getting on or whether it's worth doing or are they, yeah, um, is it very it, closed uh, doors at the moment? It's very closed doors at the moment. It is, I mean, it's a public thing, but no one's talking. So I want to know um, mm. how it's going. Uh, it, it only, it's only been available for a couple of days. Um, I would be interested to see how they're doing the beta. Do you pay uh, per game still, or mm. I, do you have access to a couple of free games to try it out? Um, but no, it, it, it seems fairly interesting, and it's something that I'll be looking... I'm still a PlayStation owner, so it's something that I'd be looking to do in the future. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's interesting. Like I said, I've never been a PlayStation guy. Um, one of my friends is a big PlayStation guy. <laughs> not, not just you, uh, but one of my other friends is, is a huge PlayStation guy. Oh, another friend. Yes, I have. I have two friends, that... <laughs> um, and he's he's very excited about it. He thinks it's going to be because he's he's really into his his iPad and everything else. He's like, yeah, but I can play. You know, wherever I go, I can play. And he, you know, he has a decent journey to work every day, so he's like, yeah, I can play it on the go, and I can do this. And it's like, oh, okay, be interesting to see see how that works. Um, cloud stuff for me so far has been pretty unimpressive, but um... yeah, agreed, agreed. It has. Uh, I've not. Um, actually, you've got a bit of interesting news that leads on from that cloud thing, don't you? Yeah, uh, yeah, completely. Um, the Xbox One, they've finally announced what we said previously was going to happen. Um, the Xbox One will be released uh, across the world without the Connect. Yes. Yeah, so, uh... yeah, really happy that I was an early adopter of that one. So, um, yeah. I, I've got to say it, mate. I like my Connect. But well, purely it, yeah, because... for voice commands. Purely for voice commands. Um, in I fact, would also I'm recording say... this podcast. Yeah. I'm recording this podcast on the Connect. Precisely. We, we uh, not to uh, allow allow a view behind the curtain or to spoil with smoke and mirrors the uh, the uh, <laughs> the delightful Milky podcast. But uh, yeah, we, we do record it. I mean, I'm I'm on a normal Skype system. You're you are doing yours via your Xbox, which you have done since you bought your Xbox One, haven't you? I mean, and there is a notable improvement in the quality of your audio when yes. you got, when you got the Xbox One. So it, it is very, very good in terms of the the quality of the I, microphone I'm, on there and stuff. I do use it. I use it for I've learned how, you know, um, I'm not going to say the words, obviously, because I don't want to start messing around with my Xbox now. But no. I found the voice. Con- I've got the voice controls down now. So um, and it's effective 100 percent of the time. Unless somebody screaming over the top of me, it really does work. And um, the thing is, they've said that they're going it, to it's going to cause a hundred dollar reduction in the price of the Xbox One. So if you buy the Xbox One without Connect, hmm. it's two hundred ninety nine dollars instead of three hundred ninety nine dollars. However, they have also stated that the Connect will cost more than it costs more than a hundred dollars to make. So if you want to connect outside of buying it with the bundle, you're going to end up paying out more than a hundred dollars. I think the the, the thing so is in a way, yeah. Dave, mm. we've kind of you know it, it swings roundabouts. You could have bought it without, but you did, and you got a reduction in the price of the connect, which is what it should be anyway. You should, that, yes. that's that's just normal business. Yeah, if you're buying the two things together, then I think it's it's worth. It, it might also mean that the trade in price for them is <laughs> quite decent as well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, of course, actually, I'd do that. Uh, which is always something to think about. But yeah, they are still uh, they are still going to launch the Connect for PC. Uh, that's coming up early next year, apparently. So that, that'd be very very interesting. Hmm. 
to see what they do with that. But uh, yeah, Xbox One without Connect, we kind of saw it coming, kind of puts it in line with the PS4 now in terms of what you've got. Um, there just hasn't been the support for it from the people who are making the games, and that's that's what it is at the end of the day. Um, oh, you're absolutely you're absolutely right because I I mainly was looking forward to Connect Sport Rivals because on the last on the 360, Connect Sport was really good. Hmm. Um, Sports Rivals was okay. Uh, the bowling was really good. The mountain climb was really good, but the, the football, the shooting was all terrible. I mean, there was a very, there was a huge lack of decent games on that, on the new um, Kinect Sports. And since that was kind of one of the main selling points for me, I got to say I'm disappointed in in that in that regard. In fact, mm. because of this new announcement, there's been layoffs at uh, Rare because there were so there was teams were because because it was assumed that every game could be used in Connect. Yeah. They were Connect focused, and now. It's not. Um, n- not everyone's going to have a connect, which means not every- you. You've just killed half the market for those connect games. Of course, yeah, because it's that thing of you, you don't know whether people are going to have it or not. So why you can't limit your games to only being available with the first sort of six months of, of people owning the console. But uh, yeah, so interesting announcement from from Xbox. Um, there's been a few interesting announcements from Xbox, and we'll, we'll cover those obviously as we get closer to E3 as well. Uh, like we said last, I think we mentioned it last last podcast that nintendo aren't doing a keynote speech this year uh um, e3 no they're not which is really weird which may mean that they've got nothing to announce yeah i mean fair dues they you know they're, they're obviously uh if there's a major game or anything that they'd be they'd be on top of it but uh yeah so it'd be interesting to see what they do obviously there's not gonna be any new consoles announced this year so they're gonna have to pull some really decent stuff out to i mean i mean i i it counts as game news, but it's something that won't affect uh, our American or our British milksters. And that's Nintendo have announced that they are releasing a console for the developing uh, markets. Hmm. So places where consoles have previously been unavailable, places like China, uh, they're going to get an all-new Nintendo console um, just for that, just for those markets. It's not something we're going to see over here. So um, maybe you know, not a lot coming out from Nintendo. No, However, no. sorry, I must say, oh, mm. sorry, because Jay will kill me if I don't mention this, is that uh, Mario Kart 8 has been getting some rave reviews. Some seriously good reviews and, and shifting a lot of Wii U units. People have been waiting for this game for a long time. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it does look very good. It's a long time since I played Mario Kart. I think I'm probably back in N64 territory. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's always been a great game. And, um yeah, I'd be interested to play it on Wii U. I've never actually played on the Wii U outside of my professional capacities. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I have it's, never, I've never even held the Wii U controller. How it's terrible! A, yeah, it's a strange console, but it's uh, it's an interesting play. But yeah, that so yeah, there wasn't a huge amount of uh, gaming news this week. Oh, David! Whoa! Oh, what? What? Oh, <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> the last bit of gaming news I have is oh. about is is has the potential to uh, to open a discussion. Now, Rockstar Games, famous for the GTA series, have announced that they mm. will be releasing a new game based on an existing IP, that's mm. intellectual property, uh, before the 15th of March 2015. And the front-runner rumour is that we're going to return to Bullworth Academy for Bully 2. That's Canis Canem Edit, uh, as it was known in the UK, but uh, it was re-released as Bully on the Xbox 360. It was, and it was fucking brilliant. <laughs> So do I. And the choices that um, the, the, the the potential choices have been narrowed down by the internet. You know, they they are they. Um, never get it wrong. Um, it's Bully Two, mm-hmm. Grand Theft Auto for the next gen consoles, which mm-hmm. will be the same uh, Grand Theft Auto Five, 
And the one that I really, the one that I know you want, and it's the one that I really want. And that would be the third game in the Red Dead uh, series. So we've had Red Dead Revolver. We've had Red Dead Redemption. Let's have a bit of Red Dead 3, please. That's right, Mr. Marshall. With the bad and the Red Dead. Oh, I would I would love to play Red Dead on the next gen seriously mate. I, so it, would I. It's one of those games that I still I I have bought and traded in about four or five times now because it's I just every every now and again I still have that urge to go back. I've into got that un- I've, I've got Undead Nightmare saved on the hard drive on my PlayStation Three. I re-download it again like you. I crack that out maybe mm. once or twice a year just so I can have a ride around, bit of a yep. duel. Yep. And a bit of an explorer, and I—I I mean, I, oh, what a it's wonderful a, game! And and um, it, you know, I love the fact that it gets me hard for westerns because on May the thirtieth, I know I should have stuck this in movie news, but the new Seth MacFarlane um, western, which we mentioned last week, comes out, I mean, and I'm going uh, to get myself hyped up. So a million ways to die in the west. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get myself hyped up by having a little game of Red Dead before. And I promise you, Dave, that is the end of the of the video game news <laughs> that I've got in front of me. So last week we uh, had a conversation about sitcoms. We were doing our top fives, uh, and unfortunately the recording software failed, so we couldn't deliver the uh, final ones in our little roundup. So we're going to do that for you right now. Um, I got to the point where I'd given you my first three. Boo had given you his first four. Um, for me, number five was Bottom. Just to recap, uh, number four was Gimme Gimme Gimme. Uh, number three was Phoenix Knights. Uh, Boo, what were your first four that you discussed with us last week? Dave, my number five was that alien adventure classic, Third Rock from the Sun. Uh, my number four was the British pop culture sensation, Spaced. Uh, number three was the sitcom that started the whole old argument, Dave, and that was Red Dwarf. And uh, my number two was, of course, uh, which we ended on last week, the wonderful Black Adam. Absolutely, and uh, I think most people will, will have agreed with those ones. Um, okay, so to crack on, uh, my number two is a, uh, a sitcom called Early Doors, probably not known by many people outside of the UK. I don't think it, it was particularly uh, successful in terms of the US because it is very nuanced and northern. Um, it's written by Craig Cash and Phil Mealy. Now, Craig Cash was involved in another great sitcom called The Royal Family. He also used to write uh, for Mrs. Merton uh, and a number of other bits and pieces. But uh, So this, this sitcom is uh, set in a pub called The Grapes, which is in Greater Manchester. Uh, and it's basically just all about the pub landlord Ken um, and his, his daughter Melanie, his bar, the barmaid Tanya, who he's got a bit of a crush on. You're not quite sure if there's a bit of a will won't you thing. But it, it's the very sort of little nuanced northern humour that is so wonderful about it and I would urge anyone who hasn't had a chance to see it to, to check it out um, every single episode I, I, I found out is on YouTube um, so you can you can check it out uh, it was only it was between 2003-2004 so there's some little bits and pieces in it that haven't particularly aged well as, as sitcoms like that do if they're based on real life um, but yeah definitely check that out it's called Early Doors uh, and it is, uh, it's not a spin-off of the royal family, but uh, um, Carolina Hearn um, and Peter Kay both uh, did some sort of script checking for them. So, uh, yeah, it, it's got that wonderful, wonderful northern humour. So Early Doors is my number two. Oh, you still have the sickest, Joe. More or less, yeah. You're lying, stud. You've already had a couple in here. Yeah, but I've not had a single one all day. You'll never give up you as long as you've got all in your ass. Well, with your balls... You ain't got the willpower. Of course you've got the willpower. Giving up a few times, mate. <laughs> Dave, 
My Number One started life as a series of 48 one-minute shorts on British comedian uh, Tracy Ullman's American show, The Tracy Ullman Show. It was created by a man called Matt Groening, who uh, had designed The Simpsons after his own family. Well, they got so popular that they got their own series in 1989, and it's been going ever since. It's still my fav- one of my favourite programmes in history to this day, and long may it continue, and that is, of course, my number one, The Simpsons. It's going to be very hard to beat The Simpsons. It's the longest-running scripted TV show in history. Um, there has been a very small amount of my life where The Simpsons didn't exist, so um, it's like they are a second family to me. I would be devastated the day it gets taken off TV. We've come very close a couple of times to The Simpsons actually be taken off. Again, we, we, we chatted about this last week, but unfortunately it didn't take to the recorder. Hmm. So um, I, you were saying, Dave, that you'd heard an interview with Hank Azaria. Uh, no, it was an interview with Harry Shearer. Sorry, Harry yeah. Shearer, of course. Uh, Harry uh, Shearer where... was, was talking about that, yeah. They um, all they wanted uh, the, the Fox wanted to pay them less and less per episode, and all they asked for in return was a little cut of the merchandise. To which Fox said no. So they all went back and just uh, did the show. There was a point where I was ready to support. I, I mean, I would always support the cast. They brought me so many years of entertainment that if they wanted to end it because they feel they weren't being given their due, then that's fine. I respect that completely. Yes. They brought so much joy to so many people for so many years. I'm very glad they worked it out. It's still here today. It's still on every Sunday. In fact, we were talking about it earlier because there's still episodes to come. We've got the Family Guy crossover. We've got the Futurama crossover. Long may Homer's reign as king of the sitcoms continue. So my number one has to be The Simpsons. Well, I think it's wonderful that your father has fallen in love with my mother. Well, I'm opposed to the whole thing. Damn opposed. He's damn opposed. Damn, damn, damn opposed. Bart! What possible reason could you have against Grandpa being in love? If he marries your mother, Marge, we'll be brother and sister. And then our kids, they'll be horrible freaks with pink skin, no overbites, and five fingers on each hand. Okay, so, yeah, my my number one. Um, now, for me, it, it is mainly because, you know, as a... I kind of approach things as a, as a comedy writer. Um, I, I flatter myself that I'm a comedy writer. Um, but for me, some of the best writing that i've seen in a sitcom in years is the one that i choose at number one um my number one is the thick of it um i came to it very late i came to it after it had finished so the the last episode was broadcast in october 2012 i'd seen nothing of this series i'd heard about it people had sort of chit-chatted about it. it it became a bit of a comedian's comedian kind of idea of well, people who are in the business like it and yada 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 it's very clever and you'll like you'll like it because it's, it's Armando Anucci and I'd like his stuff with Time Trumpet and I'd like his stuff with the, the day to day but this is without a doubt one of the best series if not the best which is why it's at my number one even though we did say last week this is a really difficult sort of <laughs> a difficult list to, to make because uh, it's comedy and but it's uh, it's all about the the British government. It's all about a, a character who is one of the best creations ever, called Malcolm Tucker, played by Peter Capaldi, who uh, most of our milksters will know is going to be the new Doctor Who, uh, which is a very very different <laughs> character than he was playing in this. Never has a man used swear words in such a beautiful manner. Um, 
absolutely wonderful. Um, they did do a spin-off uh, in terms of uh, a couple of specials. There's like there's two proper series and then there's two series which are kind of specials. They also did In the Loop, which was the sort of film version. Um, and it's I, I honestly cannot recommend it enough. If you enjoy just well-written, smart, intelligent comedy, if you enjoy people swearing, then definitely check out my number one of my sitcom top five, which is The Thick of It. Let's hear a bit of swearing. I'm sorry, Malcolm. I'm really sorry. Fuck's sake, Jesus! Wait! Well, no, I've got another fucking adjective to add to fucking smug and glum, haven't we? Fucking retarded! Jesus Do you not think it would be germane to check who you're talking to? It's a fucking newspaper office. It's not a fucking sanatorium for the fucking deaf, is it? Are you so dense? I'm not going to have to run around slapping badges on people with a big tick on some and a big cross on others so you know when to shut your gob and when to open it. Jesus Christ. Oh, but that'll probably confuse you as well, won't it? That'll be too confusing. You'll see the cross and go, oh, fuck, X marks the spot. Better tell this little person all about the Prime Minister's fucking catastrophic erectile dysfunction. Oh, but not to worry. Not to worry. You've sent fucking Ollie over there to deal with it. Fucking Ollie! He's a fucking, he's a fucking knitted scarf at twice. a fucking balaclava. Remember that fat bloke that saved Jill in Resident Evil 1? Yeah? Well, so does Jay, and here he is with that man's backstory bollocks. Barry Burton was the eldest member of the Stars team that stormed the Raccoon City Mansion in 1998. You may remember it. It was full of fucking zombies. We know that he was the oldest because he had a beard and a receding hairline, which is used in Japanese anime and video games as shorthand for any man over the age of 22. Barry survived the events of the first biohazard. That's what us video game smart marks like to call it, by the way. But he hasn't been seen since, has he? He seems to have got back to the debriefing at the RCPD building and swanned off before the shit hit the fan and the whole force started replacing a curly-whirly with a face as a lunchtime treat. I mean, you can't blame him, can you? when everything is parading around with its internal organs on display like a grotesque meat-filled late 90s Apple Macintosh, and all those same things want access to your skull-filling, you'd be absolutely within your rights to put nothing bar the maximum amount of miles possible between yourself and this rotting trauma. That said, there could be some valuable dollar for Baza, as it seems the Redfields, Jill Valentine and 90s-haired lady charmer Leon Kennedy have found gainful employment as zombie pest disposal technicians. So where you at, B-Dog? I'll bloody tell you where he at. Given his well-known aptitude for erudite articulation, our Barry has become quite the guest speaker at various corporate events. Here, for instance, is a sound clip of him presenting the Australian Locksmith of the Year to Jill Sanderson with the Gold Lockpick Award 2014. Jill, here's a lockpick. It might be handy if you, the master of unlocking, take it with you. Here is a snippet from his guest host slot at the Pornhub Awards, just after he successfully defended porn star Jill St. Clair from a pair of sex-crazed rapey fans. Oh, Barry! That was too close. 
You were almost a Jill sandwich. <laughs> You're right. Barry's ancestry, as his Christian name suggests, can be traced back to the English Midlands. And it's here where he now resides. He's taken great joy in discovering the local customs of laughing at Lenny Henry, eating curry, watching Aston Villa and drooling. He's also taken to fighting Birmingham crime in the middle of the night as part of a dynamic duo with none other than the Milking It podcast's own David Davis. You should see David's nads in those superhero tights. His pubes hang out of the holes in the tights like spider legs. Come back, Mr. Spider! Get back those your testicles! And that concludes this backstory, bollocks. I hope you've enjoyed the story of Barry Burton from Resident Evil. I know I've enjoyed telling it, yes! Next week, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to talk about what a fucking mess the X-Men films are in. Goodbye. So that was the Milking It podcast episode 25. We finally got to the end of our uh, sitcom countdown. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, all of the details will be up on the milkingitpodcast.com. You can email us. It's milkingitpodcast.com at gmail.com so uh, get in contact and let us know have a little old flick on the twitter which is at teetugger and uh, see what we're up to uh, but thank you chiefly to you guys for supporting us as you always do merchandise david i just want to thank everyone mm. that's bought merchandise so far loving the pictures of you guys drinking out of your milk in it mugs i appreciate all the ladies in their i'm a boulamont girl t-shirt guys catch up i want to see some of you guys wearing i'm a boulamont guy t-shirt or even worse if you hate my face then get those Ed the Duck Guy t-shirts on. Take a picture and send it to us here on the Milking It podcast and uh, we'll put the best ones up. You may even be used in a collage of our fans. Who knows? Um, but uh, links to the merchandise will be available on milkingitpodcast.com. Absolutely. So as always, thank you to Jay for his bits and pieces that he does for us every single week. I think you'll agree they are one of the highlights of the show. Thank you very much to Dino Peppers for his wonderful artwork that he supplies us. Thank you, as always. I was asked a question about our music that we use every week. If you go onto the milkingitpodcast.com, you'll see the link to the SoundCloud of the original song Milk It by John Sands. Cannot thank him enough for letting us use that each and every week because it really does uh, set the tone for the Milking It podcast. So thank you to him. I'm David Davis. And I'm Boulamont, and join us next week for more of the same as we take a peek into the week of geek at the Milking It podcast. You wanna milk it and you know. You gotta milk it and you know. Welcome everyone to the Milking It podcast, the podcast that tugs the teat of popular culture until it explodes all. Sorry. <laughs> I thought something had happened. I'm, that was an inopportune moment. I moved my speaker and suddenly there was silence. I was like, please don't have that. <laughs> it's because I said, well, uh, welcome to the Milky Podcast. The podcast that t- yeah, that is right, isn't it? Or is it just welcome oh, to the podcast that... Welcome everyone oh, to the podcast that tugs the tea. It's, yeah, I don't say Milky Podcast, do I, till the end? Fuck! I can't remember my own... Do you not, though? I can't Welcome remember my own... Welcome to Milky Podcast, the podcast that tugs the yeah, tea to popular culture till explodes all over your face. I'm David Davis... He's welcome to the Milking It podcast, the podcast that tags the tea of public culture. Right.